Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Grove. We are so glad that you are watching with us this morning. My name is Stephen Lohoffer, and I'm one of the pastors here. Wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you are at home with your family, or you are at home away from your family, or you have taken us on the road for a walk or a jog, we are glad to be spending just a little bit of time with you this morning. Now, we are in week four of a sermon series on the book of Exodus. And over the last several weeks, we have been unpacking this story and seeing how similar this story is to our own story. It's not just a story about a people long ago, but it's a story that spans all of Scripture and is a story that we're continuing to live out today. This story of God inviting his people into a journey with him, out away from the familiar, into the unknown, but into a new and better place. And so, what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is beginning to look at the story of kind of the, the main character and the hero of the book of Exodus and the story of Exodus, a man named Moses. And last week we talked about Moses' birth and how Moses kind of grows up as a Hebrew, but growing up in Pharaoh's palace. And then over time, he ends up murdering an Egyptian and fleeing for his life and running away and out and into the wilderness. And through a series of kind of denials and detours and delays, Moses finds himself keeping uh, watch over some sheep. He's now taken up occupancy and uh, employment as a shepherd in the middle of nowhere, out in the wilderness. And that's where we left Moses last week. And so... This morning, today, we're going to pick up the story of Moses, and we're going to look at what happens as he finds himself in this place of waiting, in this place of wandering, kind of waiting, walking around, not sure what's going to happen next in his life. He's kind of in a holding pattern, so to speak. And maybe this week of any of the weeks of this series, maybe this week most of all best resembles where we are gives us the most insight into how we can understand kind of the current situation that we find ourselves in, the current events that we're living through right now. And maybe this story that we're going to look at this morning gives us the greatest understanding of maybe what we should do or what's next or what's waiting for us. So we're just going to jump right into scripture this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I hope that you will pick it up and read along with us. We're going to be in the third chapter of the book of Exodus. All right. Third chapter of the book of Exodus, first one, we catch up with Moses. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. He was the priest of Midian. And Moses led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to a mountain called Horeb. Now, What's interesting about this term Horeb is the name for this mountain actually just means wasteland. And so you can imagine Moses is wandering around, keeping watch over these sheep day in, day out, and it looks the same. My guess is if you were a shepherd back in this time period, you're in the middle of this dry, arid, dusty, desolate place where not a lot of interesting things happen, and you kind of make sure that the sheep don't get themselves into trouble. And each day, Every day, 
feels like the exact same day. And so, in a sense, you could say that Moses finds himself in this repeating pattern, this groundhog's day, where each day after the next feels the same. Which is why I think this story is so important for us right now. And so there he is. There's Moses in the middle of this wasteland, in the middle of this wilderness. And then something begins to happen. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called out to him. See, I think what's so interesting about this vignette so far is that nothing new ever happens in the wilderness. Nothing exciting, nothing interesting happens in the wilderness. In fact, my guess is if you're watching sheep, it would have the tendency to lull you to sleep, kind of like the last six weeks have done for us. But then Moses has this opportunity to turn aside, to break out of the pattern, to break out of the routine and out of the rut and out of kind of the malaise that has set in, kind of out of this kind of the doldrums of his day-to-day life. And when Moses breaks his attention and focuses it on something new, God uses that and sees that as the perfect opportunity to call out to Moses. And I think that's exactly what's happening for us right now in the middle of this COVID-19 reality. I think that we are in the middle of a wilderness. And for many of us, we think this wilderness is just a big waste, that there is no value to this. It's been a complete and total disruption to our everyday life. None of us would have chosen this. None of us would have picked this. And we all are waiting and hoping to get out of this place because nothing good is happening right now. Whether we've lost our job or we've had some financial setback or we've had you know, a pay cut or we're watching our industry begin to crumble and succumb to the pressure of this economic crisis or maybe we're looking at just the staggering amount of loss and death or maybe that loss and death has become personal to us. Maybe those we love and care about are suffering. We look at all that's around us and it's easy to see why it would be called the wasteland. But I think it's in this place, if we're willing, if we'll recognize it, if we'll stop and pick our heads up and pay attention, I think it's in this place that God is trying to get our attention. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that God caused this to get our attention, but I think it is in this place that God is hoping that we'll notice what's going on and that we'll begin to look up and we'll hear God calling out to us just like God did Moses. See, I think God has a message for us in the middle of all of this, just like he does for Moses. And so let's look at what God has to say. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside, God called out to him, Moses, Moses! And Moses replies, as I guess you would or I would if a burning bush said our name, Yeah, here I am. And then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground. 
And then the Lord said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. You see, for the last several, several hundred years, the people of Israel and the Hebrews, they hadn't heard from God. They found themselves in Egypt under captivity and slavery, being oppressed, suffering inhumane injustices, and they cry out to God and cry out to God and nothing, not a peep. And so then in this moment, in the middle of a wilderness, in the middle of waiting and wondering and wishing something would happen, something does. And Moses stops and takes notice of it. And in that noticing, he hears the voice of God calling out to him, reminding him that this is the God of his ancestors. This is the God of his father. And he has an important request of Moses. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, God tells Moses that the current situation that the Israelites find themselves in is not their final destination. That God has something more and better for them in store than what they find themselves in in this moment. See, God has hopes for them of taking them to a new place, a promised land, a land that was promised long ago when God calls a man named Abraham onto the scene. And God is reminding Moses of this promise and of all that's awaiting his people a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. These would have been words that were used to describe a land that was plentiful and bountiful in contrast to a land that was created and uh, determined by the efforts of slaves and of slave labor and of all of the work that people would have to do to create their own abundance. No, no, no. This was a land that was naturally flowing with all of this. It would be the difference between uh, some farm irrigation system or a place where the rain was so plentiful that you didn't ever have to worry about it. You didn't have to work towards it. God's saying, listen, Moses, I'm trying to bring my people out of a place where they don't have to rely on their own efforts, on their own industry, on all of the things of power and of progress that they put all of their hopes and dreams and trust in, all of the ways that lead them to take advantage of other people because in the name of capitalism or progression or industry, all of these things. God's saying, no, 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 Moses, I'm trying to take my people to a new place, a place where they don't have to rely on any of those other systems, any of those other powers, a place where they can rely on me to provide. It's a good land. It's spacious and it's broad. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It has all of the things that you would ever need. It's a land that once you get there, you'll never be in want. It's a land of abundance. It's a place where you can flourish, where you can live your life to the fullest. And God's saying, Moses, this is where I want to bring my people. This is what I have in store for them. All of these systems and all of these routines and this life of slavery and oppression, that's not what I have in mind for them. This is not 
the way that I intended this to go. There's something more for them, Moses. I think in the same way, God's saying the same thing to us. There's this place that we've come out of. There's this way of living that we've left, this striving and this bustling and this busyness and this hurry. And many of us, for the first times, as we found ourselves in this wilderness, a little bored, a little kind of uncertain of what's going to happen next. For the first time, we've broken out of some patterns. We've broken out of some of the habits and the ways that we used to live. And we find for the first time that life's more spacious. It's broader. It's more uplifting. We're starting to realize that the way that we were living wasn't serving us well that the way that we used to operate, the way that we used to fill our schedule, the way that we used to spend our money, the things that we used to prioritize or value in our life weren't serving us like we thought they were. And now that we have a little bit of distance from it, we recognize that the air smells a little cleaner and feels a little fresher, that our lives are maybe, even if they're tedious and in the same routine, are more joyful or more restful, and God says, there's more awaiting us. There's a place that God is wanting to take us away from what we were familiar with, away from what has been normal, away from the way that we used to live. And God is extending an invitation to begin to move somewhere new. And so the same thing that God is telling Moses about the people of Israel, I think God is offering us today. It's like, listen, if you'll pay attention, there's something new that I have in store for you. There is a place that I long to take you, a way that I want you to move away from how you used to live into a new way of living. And so God continues with Moses. And he says, I've come down to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. There is a new place for them to go to a land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses has to return to lead his people to this new place. And I think we experience the same invitation. Inevitably, whether it's in the next six days or the next six weeks or the next six months or even longer, at some point, we're going to begin to return to the life that we remembered. It may be different in some ways, but there will be a return. And someday, not long from now, we'll be back in the life that we had. In the routines and the rhythms and the busyness and the hurry and all of the frenzied energy that used to define our life. But the question is, are we going to stay there? This is the offer that God extends to Moses. He says, Moses, I'm sending you to go back to lead these people to a new place. See, God's been trying to get our attention. And now that things have slowed, now that things have stopped, now that we're not quite as busy as we once were, we have the opportunity to hear what God has to say. To hear God telling us that there is something new and better for us, something that we can leave behind and move into. 
and as we have the opportunity to return to Egypt, the question is, will we leave? Will we stay in Egypt? Will we stay in this place, in this way that we used to live, in the ways that never served us, in the ways that actually didn't feel good, but we did it because everybody else around us was doing it? Or will we trust God and move into a new place? Will we leave Egypt and trust him to venture and journey into the unknown and towards a good and a broad land, a land that is better for us, a way of living that's more nourishing, a place that we can flourish? And maybe, like Moses as we begin to think about this proposition, as we begin to think about what it would look like to not go back to the way things used to be, as we begin to think about what it would look like to continue forward into a new place that God is trying to show us, a way of doing things differently, of ordering our lives differently, of valuing things differently, of spending our money differently, a total reconstruction of how we live our life as we think about that. Maybe you begin to have questions or doubts worries or fears or even insecurities about your ability to make it there. And that's the same thing we see with Moses. So after God extends to Moses this invitation to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and into this new place, Moses responds. It says in verse 11, Moses says to God, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I think for many of us, as we think about moving into a new place that God is showing us, of leaving the life that we used to live behind, of adopting new routines and new rhythms, new values, maybe new friends, new relationships, we begin to doubt our own abilities. We begin to feel the insecurity that we're not deserving or we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or capable enough We make too many mistakes. God can never trust us to get it right enough to be able to do this. This is the question that Moses asks. God, are you sure you picked the right person? God, who am I to lead people to a new place? Who am I to make this journey with you into the promised land? And God reminds Moses what I think God would remind each one of us as we begin to wrestle with the doubts and the uncertainty of whether or not we are enough to do this. God says, Moses, you don't have to worry. I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you after you bring the people out of Egypt. You will come back here and worship God on this mountain. God says, listen, Moses, I know you have doubts about your ability. But what you can trust in is my ability to work in you and to work through you. It's not just you doing this alone. It's not just you making these changes in your own life of reordering the way that you live, reprioritizing what matters most to you and your family. God's saying, it's me at work through you. I'll be with you. That's what God says. But Moses responds in a different way. Okay, but if you'll be with me, but Moses says to God, if now... I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors sent me to you. They're going to ask me, what's this God's name? And what am I supposed to say to them? And so the first question Moses has asked God is, well, yeah, but who am I? And then the second question that Moses asked God is, yeah, but who are you? Yeah, you say that you'll be with me and that I can trust you, but but who, who are you? 
And then there's kind of this famous line that gets translated a, a couple of different ways. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how all generations will remember me. Now, what I think is so cool about some of the ways that you can translate the name that God gives to Moses when Moses asks him the question, who are you? Who shall I say sent me? Is uh, the way that you interpret and translate kind of the Hebrew language. And so the name for God is actually a series of four consonants. Y-H-W-H. And this passage of scripture is so old and so ancient, we actually don't have any documented record of how you'd actually pronounce the name of God. And for most, for most Jews, they don't even say the name of God. They use a substitute. They'll say something like Adonai, which means the Lord, which is one of the ways that this scripture can be translated. Or some more Orthodox Jews, they say Hashem, which just means the name. They won't even say the name. They just say the word, the name. But if we're to look at the way these letters, these four consonants are translated, it, it's clear that the name of God is not a noun. It's actually the root of a verb. This idea that God's name is a verb and the way that we might actually translate God's name is I am who will be. And what this implies, another way that you could understand it is I am who will be there with you. It's this idea that God is always with us. He is the God of the journey. That throughout our journey, as we're continuing in this wilderness place and as we're being invited to move into a new place, God is with you. And I love what he says at the end of this. This is my name forever. And this is how all generations will remember me. And so here we find Moses, just like we find ourselves wandering in this wilderness place, bored, life's dull, maybe a little frustrating. You can imagine that as Moses is tending his sheep, he's thinking about how nice life in Egypt used to be. All of the luxuries that he's missing growing up in Pharaoh's palace, how nice it would be to be able to go back to that time period. A lot of wishful thinking. And then something new begins to happen. It's finally in this wilderness place that God is able to get Moses' attention, just like I think God is trying to get our attention. And as he does, he invites us to move into a new place, away from what we're wanting, away from the life that we think that we're supposed to have, but into a life that God wants for us, a life that allows us to truly flourish, not a life of busyness and of hurry, and of all of the things that we finally have some type of separation and break from, but a life where we reorient our life to God, where we spend our life in service to God. You see, that's the big distinction between life in the promised land and life in slavery in Egypt. The people of Israel still serve. The question is, who do they serve? In Egypt, they serve the Pharaoh, but in the promised land, what they'll see 
is they serve God. And it's this beautiful relationship between God and his people as they live according to the instructions and to the guidelines that God gives them. And that's the invitation that I think God has for us. That's why this moment that we're in right now matters so much. Because for some of us, we need to pay attention because God's been trying to get our attention. For some of us, we're in this place where God has been calling out, Moses, Moses, Moses. And some of us, we just, we've been hearing God call our name and we just, I'm not going to look over. I'm not going to pay attention to what's happening because we're afraid of what happens if we begin to acknowledge what God is wanting to do in our life. And so for some of us, we just need to identify and say, okay, God, here I am. And then for others of us, we need to move past the doubt and the fear that we feel as God is calling us into this new place. Whether it's this fear and insecurity about our own lives or this fear and insecurity about is God actually going to be able to take care of us in this new place. And then for all of us, we're going to have to summon the courage to move past and out of Egypt as life returns to normal, as we move back to the ways that we're used to living. Are we going to stay there? Are we just going to fall back into the old habits and the old patterns and the old routines and the old ways of doing things? Are we going to recognize that this is a chance for something new? There's a new world that we can find, that we can create, that we can be a part of, and we can leave this old one behind, a way of living and partnering with God to do his work in the world, to totally reorient our life towards him and towards his will, to prioritize God and his instructions to us over all of the things that we want and all of the ways that we spend our time and effort and energy and money. God promises us. He says, the place that I want to take you is better. You may not think so. You may not be able to see so, but I need you to trust me on this. It's a good land and it's a broad land. And it's a place where you're actually going to be able to flourish. If you're like me, one of the things that you've recognized in this wilderness period is how little flourishing was actually happening in Egypt. How little flourishing was actually happening in the way that we were living. God says, there's something more that I want for you. There's a place that I want to take you. And you don't have to worry about what's going to happen or whether or not you're enough because I'm with you. And my name is I am the one who will be with you on this journey. You never have to worry about whether or not God's with you. And so for you today, as we begin to return to normal, however long it takes. Are you going to stay there? Are you going to take this opportunity to go somewhere new? Are you going to take God up on his offer for a new journey to a new place, to a new land? Can you just imagine what would happen if just your family did this? If just you and your family made the commitment that, you know what, as we begin to have the opportunity to return to normal, we're not going to go back. We're going to go somewhere new. There's something better for us in this new place. And we're not going back to the way things were. There's going to be some changes around here. 
We've learned some things during this period, and we're going to institute some new rules and some new ways of operating, some new priorities, some new values. We're going to leave some space on the schedule. We're not doing what we used to do the way we used to do it. It was not serving us. Will you make the choice? Will you go in this new place? Friends, let me pray for us in our time together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you. Thank you that you are the God who is always there with us, no matter where we are in our journey, whether we are at the start and you are still calling out to us, or whether we are towards the middle and you have a role for us to play in bringing your people to this new place. God, wherever we find ourselves this morning, help us to trust in the fact that you are with us and that you are working through us and that you are leading us to a new place. God, help us to trust you and help us to follow you wherever you go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.